This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. Good morning, happy Wednesday. I have a super exciting episode for you guys today and I'm really excited for you to listen to it. But before we get into the episode, I want to say if you love the podcast, please go rate it on Apple, on Spotify, send it to a friend, follow the Insta, follow the podcast on whatever media you listen to your podcast. And I can't wait to keep growing this community that we've built. A quick life update for you all. So I went home this past week. I went home for three days, three full days. That was it. We are booked and busy. Like I said before, I didn't have time to go home for any longer. So I flew home. I got to see my family. I got to see Dean. I got to see my dog. I got to see my Nana. I didn't see any friends. I literally went home this time strictly to just see my family and be at home. I got to see my parents' new house, which honestly, it is very cute. And I love my parents so much because even though my brother and I don't live there anymore, they still did renovations to this house so that we would feel more comfortable. Like my parents knocked down a wall so that I could have an office attached to my bedroom so I can do work when I go home. Like why are they doing this? I don't even live there, but it is so nice of them. I absolutely love it. The first day I was there, I will admit, I was very overwhelmed. I was extremely overwhelmed. It was a new place. I didn't even know how to get to this house, so that was a whole thing. I still don't really even know how to get to this house, but I was super overwhelmed, and I was getting a little teary-eyed because it was just a lot of stimuli, all at once. It was a lot of new information all at once. And the first day, I definitely felt like I was in an Airbnb. I didn't know where anything was. I didn't really feel comfortable. It was very, it was just a weird situation, especially when you're wanting to go home and you want to be kind of in your normal comfort zone. And then that doesn't happen. You get overwhelmed and it's very normal. But by day two, day three, I definitely started to love the house. I wish I stayed longer. I really wanted to stay longer. I was having a whole breakdown about me leaving. But all in all, I had the best time at home. I miss it already. I want to go back. I miss my family. I miss Dean. I miss everyone. But we have exciting stuff coming up that we need to prep for. My Italy trip is coming up in a week, guys. I leave in a week to go to Italy. And if you didn't know... I am going to Italy because I got accepted to present at an international conference. It is my first conference. We have crippling public speaking anxiety. And I also haven't started my presentation. I haven't started. Actually, that's a lie. I have one and a half slides. Um, I haven't done anything. I... I don't know if it's like I'm just so anxious that I can't even start it because I am so nervous that it's going to suck or like what it is. Honestly, part of me just thinks that I'm just burnt out. I think I just, I'm over school. I'm not even going to lie. I'm over school. If you're in school, then you understand like what I'm saying. When you constantly are just like grinding it out at a certain point, you just don't want to do it. And I just want to go to Italy and like frolic around and live my best European summer. But in order to do that, I need to first present at this conference. So I need to kind of buckle down this week. I need to get my shit together and I need to make this presentation because I literally have not done any of it. But as stressful 
as this conference is, I have already planned out all of my outfits. I've already planned out all my stuff. I've been, so hot take, I've been needing a lot of new bathing suits. I'm like, I want to wear a cute bathing suit in Italy. I want Dean to take my photo in Italy. I want to get some hot pics. I want to do all this stuff. So I've been on Poshmark finding bathing suits. And if you're not on Poshmark to get your bathing suits, I don't know what you're doing because one, way cheaper. And two, you're just recycling these clothes and it's way better for the environment. I say this as I have a clothing brand, but it is better for the environment. I will say that. I got a bathing suit from Bare Minimal. I'm pretty sure is how you say it. New with tags, so much cheaper than on their website. And it's literally brand new. And then also shipping, it comes in like two days. So I think it is a great way If you need some new summer fits, you need some new summer bathing suits, go on Poshmark or Depop even and try and find some on there. Girlies, when you're first starting a business, you have enough to worry about. The stress is overwhelming and there's absolutely no reason you should be adding any more. Luckily for us, Shopify is here to help. Shopify has all the tools to power and build your business to the next level. It grows with your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Thanks to an endless list of integration and third-party apps, anything you can think of from on-demand printing to accounting to chatbots, everything you need to revolutionize your business, they have. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. As a WTTC listener, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WTTC all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash WTTC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, shopify.com slash WTTC. Okay, girlies, we are talking about our favorites once again. If you've ever had an embarrassing BO moment, Lumi is here to help. Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control from everywhere, including your pits, your feet, and yes, even your privates. And fun fact, but it was actually a patient's concern about their private odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. I currently have the toasted coconut deodorant, and let me tell you, it is my absolute favorite, and it smells so good. Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers, and it comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, and free shipping. 
As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code WTTC for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's WTTC at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, so on the topic of Italy, as we know, I'm going for this conference, blah, 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 already talked about it, but my best friend Scott is coming with me for the first part, for this conference part, because he also got accepted. So he's my roommate for the first like five days that I'm in Italy. But here's the issue. As a Canadian... I got my passport literally after I got my name when I came out of the womb. Every Canadian I know has a passport. We travel like no other. A lot of us go to Disneyland when we're like four and we all have a passport. It is a very, very common thing, especially for me who travels back and forth between countries all the time. My passport has never expired and I've never not had my passport. Apparently, this is not the norm, though. Apparently, not every person, especially if they live in America, has a passport. And so, my best friend, Scott, does not have a passport at the moment, and we leave for Italy in a week. He sent in his information to get his passport, maybe like, I want to say at most a month ago. He tried to get it expedited, and we have not heard anything. He's been calling every day. They literally told him, we have no info to give you. We have no appointments. You just have to wait. And we leave for Italy in a week. And I... I think I'm more stressed than he is. I think I have more anxiety. If you know my mom, you know that she's a mom to everyone. So she has anxiety. And we're we're panicked. But I mean, bright side, if he can't go, at least I get the room to myself. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll keep you guys posted. I really hope that they get their shit together and that he gets his shit together so that he can come because that would suck. But I don't know how he's not more panicked because I have a panic attack about this probably every day. On a different note, I'm going to talk about my pit and my peak of the week. So let's start with my pit because it was quite a dramatic event. But if you know me, you know that I hate the dentist. I've always hated the dentist. I've grown up with horrible teeth. Like, No matter what I do, I can brush my teeth like crazy. I can floss them like crazy. I will always get cavities and my teeth are the most (laughs) crooked, horrible things ever. Meanwhile, my little brother will literally get a cavity and his body will naturally fill it. Like he, he is like the prime example of what a dentist wants and also teeth are just nasty to me they're so gross and I know I want to be a doctor and I want to be a surgeon and blah 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 but like teeth freak me out they are so gross I hate everything about them just I hate the dentist okay so growing up I have had braces I've had a retainer that expanded my jaw I had a retainer on the roof of my mouth and my mom had to stick this little screwdriver almost in it and we had to turn it every day and it slowly expanded my jaw like that's how messed up my teeth are so I've noticed that one of my teeth has gotten 
a little crooked and it's starting to kind of go behind my front teeth. Naturally, this gives me anxiety because I will not be getting braces again at age 25. So I told my mom this and I said, I need to go see the dentist when I come home. So she called the dental office because I'm still a baby and my mom has to book my appointments. But she called them basically saying like, I want to get a retainer. Do you think that it can be made in the time that I'm home? I'm only home for three days. I was going on day two. Do you think that you can make something to kind of fix this tooth? Because if not, then I don't need the appointment. And they were like, absolutely, come on in. We'll see what we can do. Worst comes to worst, we can't do anything, but we could give you some recommendations, blah, blah, blah. So we said, okay, bet, this sounds awesome. Keep in mind with this whole experience that I willingly went to the dentist. This has never happened before in my entire life. And I willingly decided to go and then this all happened. So I go to the dentist. First of all, the dentist that we decided to go to, we, my dentist will move locations sometimes like depending on the day. So he decided to be at this other location on this specific day. And we had to drive like 45 minutes an hour to go see him. And so I get there, I explain the situation to the secretary and I'm like, do you think that this can happen today? Cause if not, I probably don't need my appointment right now and you could give it to someone else and I'll just leave. And she was like, oh, I'm not really sure. I'll have to talk to the dentist, but we have you booked in for a cleaning today too. So you can still get that done. And keep in mind the cleaning that they have is like an hour long process. I'm only home for three days. I am not spending seven hours in this dentist's office. Like I am not, I wasn't planning on doing this. And when I came home in January, I got a cleaning, I got cavities filled, I got x-rays, like I did the full dental workup that you could possibly do. And my insurance only covers in six month increments. So I wasn't even six months out. So I wasn't actually able to even get a cleaning because my insurance wouldn't cover it and we would have to pay a shit ton of money. So anyways, I explained this to the secretary and she told me to wait in the waiting room. So I did. And I could hear them all talking about me, of course. And I was like, whatever. I just literally want them to check this one tooth. So I get taken back into the dental like chair. I'm sitting there. The dental hygienist reiterates to me everything that I already said about what I want, what I don't. Great. We're having a great time. The dentist comes in and I, he was like, so what's the situation? And I was like, I have this one tooth, blah, blah, blah. I explain it to him. He doesn't even look at me. And he goes, yeah, it probably did move. So I'm just wondering why you chose to not get a cleaning today, Brianne. And then goes off on me, goes off on me about how my teeth are horrible. I probably have gingivitis. He pulls up an x-ray. Keep in mind, it's an old x-ray. And he goes, one, two, three, four, counts all my teeth and counts the cavities and literally loses his mind on me. And I'm like, I don't know where you're getting this info from because you are the dentist that filled my cavities in January. Like you didn't take a new x-ray. So how do you know what cavities I have now? And like, he just was going off on me about how I didn't want to get a whole 45 hour long cleaning. And 
It was the worst thing ever. Like he was treating me like I was a five-year-old kid and I was being scolded for doing something bad. And I was like, one, I didn't book a cleaning. Two, I just wanted you to check this tooth and make sure that I don't need braces again and give me a retainer so that I can fix it. And three, you're the dentist that filled all my cavities at my last appointment. So why don't you have those records? And why are you showing me x-rays from like years ago and going off about my teeth? So anyways, then I told him that I will come back in August and we can fill all my cavities, he can do a cleaning, and then we can get me a retainer. And he was pissed about the fact that I'm only coming home in two months. And I said, sir, I don't live here. I don't live here. I go to school somewhere else. We know this. Everyone knows this. You know this. So I don't know why you're being so mean to me. So anyways, I left. I that was it. That was my appointment. Nothing happened. Um, except for the fact that I had to pay $13 for this appointment. (laughs) After my insurance covered this appointment, I still had to pay $13 to be bullied by my dentist. (laughs) I got in the car and I said to my mom, I was like, I just paid $13 to get verbally attacked by my dentist today. (laughs) Like what the actual fuck? And so I told everyone, I told everyone about this. I called Dean. I called my brother. I called my dad. I texted my friends. I literally told everyone. And I said to my mom, I was like, how many days do we think I'm going to linger on this? Like, I'm going to say at least six. At least six days, this is going to be like something I'm going to talk about. But keep in mind, with all of this, Debbie's pissed. My mom is so annoyed because she's like, what the actual fuck? We just drove all the way here. They charged you for this appointment for him to not even look at your mouth and not do anything except get angry at you for no reason. And so my mom called... (laughs) My mom called my dentist and ripped him a new one. And I think the biggest issue is that it was just a power balance. Like he just wanted to have power. And when you're sitting in that dentist chair, he felt superior to you. And it was just, it was very condescending. And I was being like chastised when I'm a 25-year-old adult. And he said to me, he was like, what do you have planned today that is too important for you to get a cleaning? And I literally said, I'm home for one more day. I'm not getting a cleaning today. And he went on this whole thing about how I should be valuing my time and when did I book this appointment and that I knew I would have a cleaning. And I said, sir, I didn't even book it. We didn't book this cleaning. So anyways, my mom called the dental office. The dentist called us back. He was kind of rude. He was kind of a dick. He basically tried to say to my mom that it was my fault and I had miscommunication when I booked my appointment. And my mom said, no, no, no. I booked the appointment. Like, my mom booked the appointment. So that kind of caught him in his tracks. Um, My dentist is a dick. I won't be going back. I said, I willingly went to the dentist for the first time ever, and I will never be going again. I will never go to the dentist again. I was telling my brother this story, and I said to him, I was like, have you ever gone to the dentist? And they pulled up the picture of your teeth, and he started counting every single cavity that you have, and told you that you probably have gingivitis, and you're probably going to die. Like, I'm 
what? It was so insane. And also, my mom has the same issue. Like, no matter how much we brush our teeth, no matter how much we floss, like, we just have very, very sensitive teeth. And we have very, very, like, soft teeth that are just more prone to cavities. Like, my teeth don't hurt. They don't hurt at all. I'm totally fine. But just the way that he was presenting everything to me was actually ridiculous. And I'm so confused. But so that was my pit of the week. However, it was kind of funny. I came out, I came out to the car with my mom. I got, I got in the car after and I was like, at least I have something to say on the podcast. Like this was the most ridiculous situation ever, but at least I can tell every single person that listens to my podcast because I had to, I had to share it. I've already shared it with every single person that I could text. So I obviously have to share it all with you now because it, I have no words. I have no words. So I will never be going back. Moral of the story, I hate the dentist. But my peak of the week, this is a good one. This is a good peak, but it's kind of a pit because I didn't know about it for a very long time. But as we all know, I am anaphylactic to dairy. I can't have whey. I can't have casein or cassian. I don't even know how you say it, but I can't have milk protein. So I have not been having milk since I was probably 15, probably 15, so a good 10 years. And I just learned, thanks to my boyfriend, Dean, that hollandaise sauce has no milk in it. I I didn't know that this was a common thing. I didn't know that everyone knew the ingredients of hollandaise sauce, apparently, but I have been going 10 years 10 years I've been going for brunch, wanting an Eggs Benny. Sometimes I want a lobster Eggs Benny. Like, I've been wanting an Eggs Benny for 10 years, and I have not been getting it because I thought I was allergic. (laughs) I thought that I was deathly allergic to Eggs Benedict for 10 years because I'm an idiot that did not decide to look up the ingredients. I just assumed that there was milk in it. I don't know. And so I have not been having eggs, Benny, for a hot minute. Um, so my peak is that I now know that I'm able to have it. <laughs> so I will be going for brunch because I need to eat it for the first time. And I'm, one, I'm heartbroken that I've gone this long without knowing. Two, Dean's so annoyed at me that I'm an idiot who didn't know the ingredients of hollandaise sauce and I didn't know that it was common. I didn't know that everyone knew, but we asked my parents and both my parents said, yeah, there's no milk in it. Why haven't you been eating it? So I don't know. So those are my pit and my peak of the week and my little life update. But getting into this week's episode, I have a very, very, very exciting guest. Her name is Gigi Robinson. She is so cool on TikTok. She's been in Sports Illustrated. She has a chronic illness. We talk about mental health and it is such an amazing episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. So on today's episode... Super exciting. We haven't had a guest in quite a hot minute, but on today's episode, we have Gigi Robinson. You guys obviously know her from TikTok. You must know her from SI Sports Illustrated. Gigi, welcome to the pod. I'm so excited to have you. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's like so fun to to come onto a podcast and congrats on having a, another guest on your show. Oh my God, thank <laughs> you. So before we get into everything modeling, chronic illness, that whole thing, do you want to kind of give a brief intro to who you are, how old you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm born and raised in New York City. I went to USC for undergrad and my master's, which I will have in December, finally. Oh my Home God, stretch so here. exciting. Um, yeah, I'm like finishing my summer classes right now. It's kind of the best and the worst, um, but home stretch. So I'm just powering mm-hmm. through. Um, and I went to LaGuardia High School of Performing Arts. So I think art, music, like culture has always been a part of my education. And that's why I think I fell into the creator economy and into being an influencer, public speaker, model, um, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really, really awesome to be able to have a career this way and also to advocate for people at the same time. Yeah, no, that's amazing. What are you doing your master's in? Um, So it's a pretty long name. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a master's of innovation. Um, Simply put, master's of science and innovation design. However, it also is specific in technology, business design. Um, And yeah, so that's that. Oh my God. I love it. I'm yeah. doing my master's slash like PhD right now. So I totally understand. Oh my gosh. Totally yeah. get it. That's yeah. so incredible. Congrats. Oh my God. Thanks. But Look at us educated girls. We love educated girls. We do. <laughs> but okay. So let's kind of talk about modeling. How yeah. did you get into it? What age did you start? Were you scouted? What was your experience with it? Um, I actually kind of also fell into modeling. Mm-hmm. I basically had always been a photographer first, actually. Okay. And a lot of the ways that I would teach myself how to be a better photographer was by posing in self-portraits and by creating them. So in a lot of my early work in a portfolio in the bottom of my bed and on the top of my closet that Mm -hmm. you see behind me right now, I have books and books and books of self-portraiture that I actually would enter into competitions and like win, Mm -hmm. um, which was super cool back in the day. But now the camera is like kind of, I'm on the other side of the camera. Um, So it was partly like being self-taught and self-made with it. And then um, about a year ago, I really started getting picked up for some campaigns. So I did a skincare campaign with Innisfree, which is a um, makeup a skincare brand mm-hmm. and it was really cool. They put this gorgeous makeup look on mm-hmm. and then they took half of it off to show like the cleansing balm yeah. on one side and like everything else. I was like, wow, guys, that was so unfortunate because the makeup is so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I also walked in the runway of dreams fashion show in September, which okay. is an adaptive fashion show that highlights people with disabilities and clothing oh that's God, made I for them. It. And yeah. since I have a chronic illness, um, sometimes things are more challenging, like buttons or sometimes I can't even button things with, with right. my, um, like my state of being in any given moment. So having the opportunity to represent invisible disabilities and chronic illness mm-hmm. was really, really cool. And the rest kind of just snowballed after that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's how it all, that's how it all went down. 
Oh my God. That's amazing. So are you signed to an agency right now or do you just kind of do your own freelance sort of thing? Yeah, I, I really do my own freelance thing. And oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, it's super fun. I have been like non-exclusively signed here and there to mm-hmm. certain agencies, but I think in today's day and age, like unless you're like a breakout star mm-hmm. and like everybody wants you all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you kind of have to advocate for yourself by oh, all my. means. So, um, and we're in New York city, so that makes things that much harder. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm okay with that because I have my hands in so many pots, like modeling is like just mm-hmm. a thing I get to do for fun. Exactly. And that's the way it should be. It should just be something that you do for fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So sports illustrated. Yeah. You were in Sports Illustrated that it's absolutely insane. Congratulations. That's like Thank every you. girl's dream in life. <laughs> um, how did you prep? How were the castings? How did that come about? I want to hear all of it. I'm so I'm so into that. Like I love it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I really just went for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured there's no better time than now. And oh. I decided to just like shoot my shot to just Mm -hmm. send a submission video in. And regardless, like I had no idea their theme this year was going to be empowerment, but that was the theme of my video. My video was about empowering and embracing people with invisible conditions and giving them a seat at the table. Also not, not because other people don't have it, but because it's invisible and it deserves to be seen. And it also deserves to be recognized in mainstream media as something that people actually struggle with. And it also was like a respect thing too. It was like, you can like accomplish something so big and still be so sick, you know? So that was kind of the messaging in my video. And, um, you know, the castings were super fun. I think it was very nerve wracking because Mm -hmm. you're on a zoom call with, you know, like 20, 30 other people and everyone's kind of sharing their little spiel and their story. And it's like, what are they looking for? Are they going to like me? Like, it wasn't about like, oh, here, like do a virtual casting and model for us Mm -hmm. in a swimsuit. It was like, tell us your story. Like, let's see like what your vibe is kind of thing. So um, it was really, really cool to do that. And then I got the call when I was down in Miami with one of my best friends Mm -hmm. and uh, she thought she was gonna have to take me to the hospital because I started like convulsing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was so excited. Um, I didn't even know how to process what uh-huh. was what had just the phone call I had just gotten. Right. And then it was really fast moving after that. It was literally like I got the call and two weeks later I was on a flight to the DR. So um oh my God. Yeah. That is so exciting. So, like, what would a day on set look like? A day on set. Well, yeah. I think. I think that it definitely, um, it was different for everyone because my days got rained out. Um, like we got ready and then it rained like not much thereafter, but, um, I mean, gorgeous beach, Uh obviously. Um, I think that's necessary. And then, uh, beautiful sunshine for most people, not me. Uh Um, and what do you uh, do in that situation when you get rained out? Like, what do you do? You do the best that you can. You okay. put a smiling face on. You okay, shoot until they say that's a wrap. And yeah. um, you just keep going. Like it's like now or never. Like imagine 
one of the biggest opportunities of your life has like a little bit of a pitfall and you right. just handle You're it like a total just go through it. Well, if you if you like handled it like a diva, it's like kind of like already putting yourself out, you know? Totally. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to power through and it's going to be great. So that's kind of what I did there. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, there was like a makeup artist and an assistant, a hair artist and an assistant. And then like the entire SI team, like the photo team had at least five or six people. The video team had three or four people. So it was like at least a 20 to 30 person set. And, uh, it was just so, so fun. Everyone was so positive. And, um, like we were on a mission to get our, our shots and it was just Mm -hmm. great. Oh my God. I love that. So with modeling, how do you think it's affected your confidence? Do you think it's made it better? Do you think it's made it worse? How do you think that it's really impacted you? I mm-hmm. used to model when I was younger, definitely not at the same scale that you did, but I definitely felt like it, well, I also did it during my formative years. So mm-hmm. I think that it really kind of triggered me a little bit when but my whole brand was about my body, especially at that time. Yeah. Things have changed a lot since then, but at that time, my body was what was being sold, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is that's because that's what we grew up with in the uh-huh. 2000s and the mid 2010s yeah. is we grew up with people's worth being equated to how hot they were. I mean, I think that's been always, but I mm-hmm. think more so since phones and technology and communication really just like was explosive and online and anyone could say anything about you to Mm -hmm. your direct account, not just like in tabloid media, not just the gossip, but like actual physical, like you are receiving these nasty things about yourself from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was like the biggest shift. However, I think in, I guess we can say the early 2020s, um, we've really taken a step towards inclusivity and embracing who we are naturally and not letting our body be our worth and allowing ourselves to be like multi-hyphenate and um, that like we don't necessarily just have to be a model, but we can be a model and a host and Mm -hmm. a student and so on and so forth. And I think that that's like a really special thing that Mm -hmm. other generations before us didn't have, but it also shows us how we can be stronger for generations, um, you know, younger than us. I totally agree. Do you think that modeling is kind of a job that you see yourself doing for the rest of your life? I mean, you're also a master's student. Do you Mm. see yourself kind of branching into like hosting or other kind of media forms? Absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's hard to say no just to things, um, especially early on. Like I'm still quote unquote early on in my career. I'm 24. I just turned 24 like a month ago. Yeah. So, and, and even until you're like in your mid thirties, I would say you're pretty like in the early stages of your career. So I think it's possible. Um, I think part of it is I don't really know what my next move is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still like figuring that out. Um, I sense a book coming in the future. Oh my God, fun. I love (laughs) it. And maybe hosting, maybe, you know, I don't know, walking red carpets, maybe acting. I have no idea. Um, I, I love it all. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it. And I think, um, while I do all of that, education is important for me. So talking to students and making sure that they, 
like feel confident Mm -hmm. in their ability to advocate for themselves, regardless of what it's for Mm -hmm. is like of real importance to me as well. Yeah. I think that's also kind of like the fun in all of it. It's never knowing what you're going to do next. Like you kind of have a plan sometimes. And then if we've learned anything in the past few years, everything can shift and we have no idea what's coming. So just changing our avenues and getting to try so many different things is so fun. It's so fun. Um, And I'm very, very grateful that this is like my job, you know? Yeah. What would be your dream modeling job? If you could have like Mm. any, if you could model for any brand, do any cover, what would it be? That's a great question. I actually haven't really thought about that in depth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Perhaps I should have. Um, Hmm. My dream brand. I mean, I think like an airy Victoria's Secret. Mm-hmm. Like I've already done Sports Illustrated. Like let's go bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much bigger I can go, but yeah. Oh my God. I love it. Um, what advice would you give to any girl who's kind of looking at magazines and looking at these models and f- thinking that they don't like quote unquote fit into the standard of beauty? Well, I mean, I think that unfortunately it's like a very challenging Mm -hmm. um place to be in specifically because you're not actually like meeting the models you're not there on set you don't really have that transparency and that's where I think this whole phenomenon of like TikTok stars and Instagram stars and YouTube stars stepping into modeling Mm -hmm. is actually really cool because they pull back that curtain a little like if you look at the the YouTube videos of my shoot um the TikToks of the shoot like the Instagram mm-hmm. posts they may look a certain way but I think I gave more than what you know some other other people um on the shoot may not have totally. um and I think that also shows you like I was like I made a video that was about like being on my period during the shoot mm-hmm. and like you would never know that but I think that that's kind of cool and fun to talk about to make sure that people are like oh wow like I guess I don't have to feel my best like Gigi's mm-hmm. on her period on the shoot like it's fine yeah. you know yeah it definitely unfilters it a little bit and it shows how like Models are just normal people too. Like they go through the same thing. It's a very normal thing. And a lot of the time when you see them in magazines, you kind of think that that's like unattainable. But I mean, especially for me when I was modeling, I would look at photos and be like this. I don't think this is me. I was like, I don't know. This isn't really what I was thinking. So it's kind of nice that you like posted and you got to show kind of the unfiltered behind the scenes of a huge, huge brand shoot. Yeah. And it definitely was like kind of scary to do that. Like I kind mm-hmm. of made that video as like a little bit of a joke because I was like, haha, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like funny. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. No one was talking about that. And I just thought, why not? But mm-hmm. yeah, I think also to anyone who's like not feeling confident, I would ask why. And like, why mm-hmm. are you comparing yourself to somebody else when like their life and what they've done to get to that point is completely different than maybe what you've done to get to that point? So oh, like, why even compare? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't compare two books to one another, you know? I totally agree. So yeah. Let's get into living with chronic illness. You kind of touched yeah. on it a little bit, but when were you diagnosed and with what were you diagnosed? Um, yeah, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome in um, t- like 
when I was 10 or 11 back, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm so bad at math. I'm going to go <laughs> around 2008 yeah. when, <laughs> when everything else in the world was kind of spiraling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's really when I was diagnosed and it forced me to kind of like, I think grow up faster in terms of like advocating for myself at such a young age, because like, I don't think any young person should have to deal with like being sick while they're still growing up. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a really like shitty position to be in, to be honest with you, because you really have no control over your body or like what's happening to it. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's unfortunate, but whatever. (laughs) That's what I always say. Yeah. But so with your chronic illness, like what are kind of like the symptoms that you experience? How does it affect your day to day? What necessarily is this chronic illness for anyone who doesn't really know what it is? Um, Yeah, it's a connective tissue disorder. Mm -hmm. So it causes me like severe joint and muscle pain and fatigue. So um, in the most respectful of ways, like the way people are like, I have long COVID, like that's my entire life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, that's just how it is. And I just kind of have had to, you know, like deal with that my whole mm-hmm. life and um, find ways to give myself accommodations and find ways to like feel okay in the moments where I have been struggling the most. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a challenging disorder. Um, and I say disorder because that's well, one, what it's like, it, it's a syndrome. So like you, you can also have like a bunch of different like things that are happening to you and definitely like consult a medical professional. Cause I, they would be able to say it better than I can, Yeah, but it's a, it's a condition that's dynamic. It looks different from person to person. Right. And that's, mm, that's annoying, but it also just, that's just kind of how it is. So yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I saw a New York times post that they did about you and it was titled, I turned sickness into a selling point and proved I am sexy. And I read it and I said, this is the best example I could ever see of someone who had a really shitty situation and is trying to turn it into a more positive, a positive situation. And then also like advocating for all these other people who also experience a similar type Mm -hmm. of thing. What made you want to do that? Because I think that's a really hard thing when you're kind of given like a shitty hand in life to mentally be able to be like okay you know what I'm gonna turn this around and I'm gonna like make this into such a better positive thing you know yeah I had to I mean I was dealing with a lot um when I was in college of Mm -hmm. these like teachers not believing that I was sick and that was like really unfortunate and messed up and I should have never had to deal with that and I should have spoken up and I say should have because if I went back and I had you know the tools and and the right things to say maybe Mm -hmm. I would have gone to the dean about it maybe I would have like caused a little bit of a scene and been like hi like you guys need to do better and it's not because I wanted anything out of it it was so that it never happens to any other student um what I went through with teachers denying me my accommodations with things happening where I so isolated and alone as a student that should never happen to anybody. Um, and you should never be denied your accommodations that are legally given to you. Um, 
So I had, I had to start speaking up about it. And Mm -hmm. like social media was the mode that I decided to do that with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's a number of things I could have, and, and it has led me to other like mediums as well, like speaking, podcasting, hosting, um, modeling, like so on and so forth. I think it can be applied to any situation, which is really cool. But yeah, um, that's how I fell into it. Okay, wait, first and foremost, that is so shitty. (laughs) That is so shitty that teachers did not accommodate. And then also as a student, there's all like there's a power dynamic. So going against your professor is one of the scariest things ever. So obviously, that would be very, very hard for you to stand up and be like, no, this is what I need. Yeah. I also went to USC, which is like the, uh, <laughs> the capital of college scandals. And I did not want to <laughs> yeah. be that. Yeah. Um, like I love the school in mm-hmm. so many ways. This was just one that like, I did not like in mm-hmm. our relationship of me being a, a Trojan and a student yeah. there. And for so many avenues of my life, I think that going to USC was like the best thing that I could have done. It was also something that challenged me in ways that I'd never been challenged before, which have led me to here. So blessing in disguise does not negate the shitty circumstance. Right. Well, you've definitely made a very big impact now. So mm-hmm. you can be super proud of that because you're definitely standing up for what you. you deserve and what a lot of other people deserve. But let's kind of, I guess, shift a little bit, but into mental health. You're yeah. a huge advocate for mental health. I love it. I think mental health is so important. I tell everyone they should be in therapy. I think it's the best thing ever. But how do you think your mental health as a student versus a model? Do you think that mm. they differ in any way? Do you think there's different triggers for both of them? Do you think because I think mental health as a student is kind of a very different avenue for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I get super stressed out about school academics, scare the shit right. out of me all the time. So how do you kind of balance your mental health with both of those? Well, I think also like over the pandemic, a lot has shifted. Mm -hmm. I have been in virtual school since 2020 now. So I really started struggling with my health in uh, late 2019. And that's when I decided to take a medically reduced course load. And I was dealing with like my mental health issues. I was having problems of like, taking my medicine and then not eating because of the side effects. It was making me nauseous. Like I don't want to eat. Um, I would get acid reflux. I would have to take something to combat the side effects of another medication. Like it was just not good. And then I was all alone. I born and raised from New York city. And you know, my, my friends at the time were uh, a little misunderstanding, I think, and Mm -hmm. not as um, empathetic as they could be. And like, I have to, you have to cut that shit out. When when people are making you feel bad for something that you're struggling with, cut those people out. Like, don't even try to fight it. Like, just, (laughs) that's it. Like, and I get it. Sometimes people can't hold space for you. But I Mm -hmm. think if they're true friends, if they're mature enough to see that you can struggle and I can struggle together and we can be there for each other in some ways, but being transparent about that. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that's like really beneficial, but that affected me so much because I thought my chronic illness is the reason I don't have friends. Right. Like, and that's just, that's just not true. Um, Some people are just really shitty. Right. And also some people just are dealing with their own stuff and they can't hold space for you. And at at one point friendships serve a purpose and sometimes Mm -hmm. they just 
that's it. And and it's at the end of its life cycle and that's okay. So being okay with that was really hard. Um, During college, I was seeing all of these different doctors. I was in therapy like a little bit, Mm -hmm. not as much as I had wanted to be because I had to go to more physical therapy than regular therapy. Um, And I was in occupational therapy and um, for lifestyle redesign, just Mm -hmm. because I was, I was really struggling. At one point I had doctor's appointments like almost every single day. And it was just so challenging being in person. However, when the pandemic came, Mm -hmm. the entire world all of a sudden went virtual. Mm -hmm. And that meant that I could do class from my bed. Mm -hmm. Like what a profound idea, right? I'm being extremely sarcastic. Um, I think it, it was a moment where it showed like the inherent ableism and how the world was so quick mm-hmm. to help every single other person, including d- like disabled and chronically ill people, but they were willing to make the accommodation that sick students, mm-hmm. workers have been asking for for years. Right. We just made it within a couple of weeks. Like when yeah. I was at my internship at Warner Bros, they're like, hi guys, this thing's happening. We're going to prepare for like a virtual thing. We're going to work from home for a couple of days. Sorry, interns, bye. Mm-hmm. And a week later we were like, you know, paid out and they were like, we're done with this internship. But for school, it made me a better student. I was able to do so much like from my bed because it allowed me the time to slow down and focus on my health. So it allowed me more time to do doctor's appointments instead of it taking like two and a half hours total for me to Mm -hmm take a 30 minute commute each way to a doctor's appointment an hour there in the waiting room, seeing the doctor, it was a 30 minute visit from my bed and I could optimize my time better. So I think it's a really unique place in time right now where most schools are shifting back to only in person. Mm -hmm. And my fear is that they're going to take away those accommodations that they so willingly gave to everybody else for chronically ill and disabled people. Right. And that is what I'm focused on advocating for at the moment. Mm-hmm. So Do yeah, you, that was full has, has USC said anything about them coming back? I mean, my classes typically are like hybrid. So you can choose to go in person or you can choose to stay online, which is very nice because I can pick yeah. and choose like what days I want to go, what days I'm kind of like mentally just unable <laughs> to leave my apartment. So I just do it online. Yeah, I think USC is fully in person um, unless like I'm in a virtual degree. So like my degree is remote, which is really cool. Like literally last night I texted my or Slack messaged my teacher. I was like, Hey guys. Um, so I'm at a world premiere, um, for the Tribeca film festival right now, I'm going to be 30 minutes late to class. And the teachers are like, okay, cool. And like, how cool is that? Mm -hmm. That I'm able to do more in my career because my degree is like flexible. Like I think, I I just think it's super cool. Um, so anyhow, um, for other people though, I don't know. I think some teachers have preference to do class virtual still, Mm -hmm. um, or hybrid, like where they'll like come in a couple of days in the semester, Mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know how it's going to be in the future. So to kind of wrap us up, I want to ask, what are some things that you do to kind of keep your mental health in check? Working out, eating certain foods, like how do you really prioritize your mental health? How do I prioritize my mental health? Well, 
I really struggle with it at times. I know you may see like a somewhat clean room behind me, but Mm -hmm. May was really hectic for me. I was traveling and I was not like, I really didn't have any time to do anything. So I just had laundry for like a month. Um, It was stacked up on my chair and you know about having the chair like everyone Mm -hmm. does. Um, it wasn't organized. Like I was in pain. I was so exhausted. Like it's really challenging sometimes to pull yourself out of things when you're in like such a momentum, um, or momentous kind of like month or week or year of your life and your career. So, um, lately I've been going on a walk to get Duncan, which Mm -hmm. I should probably just make a coffee at home since I have a nice Nespresso machine (laughs) and then walk with it. Yeah. I don't need to spend $6 every day. And then like I go to the park, I journal with my dog. Mm -hmm. I do breath work with an incredible breath work coach. Um, His name's Avi Greenberg and he's just really amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I do. I also love like massages and facials. Can't, can't lie. Yeah. Just like self-care. Yeah, exactly. It's the best way to kind of ground yourself is what I always say. Like going for a massage, I'm just grounding myself. I'm like, yeah, myself. And you just have to do that. Yeah, you have to do that. And I think that's actually been something really beautiful that I've quite enjoyed, like getting into a little bit Mm -hmm. more because it's really about getting to know yourself and knowing what you want, knowing how to handle yourself, knowing what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what makes you feel good. Um, all of those kinds of things. I totally agree, but thank you so much for coming on the pod. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah. Likewise. Before we finish up, where can everyone find you plug all your social media, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me um any social platform, the word it's and then my name. So mm-hmm. it's Gigi Robinson. Or you can Google me, my name, uh, go to my website, ggrobinson.com. I like to keep it simple. It. <laughs> Same naming convention everywhere. Love it. Well, thank you so much. This has been so amazing. It's been so great to talk to you. Likewise. And, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. As always, feel free to rate it, review it. Send it to a friend. Send Gigi and I DMs. Let us know what you think of this episode. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.